powerful video, isn't it? As you watch that, what uh, baggage came up in your mind? Something related to your mom or dad or your brother or sister? One of your friends? Maybe a stranger that violated you in some way? That's deep stuff, isn't it? And one of the premises is found in Scripture, and that really is one of the keys to this series, is that if you're going to be spiritually healthy, you need to be emotionally healthy. And God wants you to experience an abundant life. But you've got to go back to go forward. If you don't go back and unpack that baggage and let the Holy Spirit clean it out and heal those wounds and help you overcome those sin patterns in your life, you're never going to experience the life that God desires for you. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Going back to go forward as we continue in our church-wide initiative, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. I'm teaching uh, Pete Scazzaro's curriculum, and the small groups are studying it, and our youth group is studying it, and there's books you can read, that kind of thing. And the idea is that if we saturate ourselves uh, with certain biblical themes over a period of time, it's a nine-week series leading up to Thanksgiving, uh, we can have accelerated spiritual growth. So I want to encourage you to engage. The more you engage, the more you're going to benefit. And this is great stuff. Anybody agree with that? This is great stuff, huh? Yeah, no doubt about it. it has been speaking to my heart. So you want to pick up the book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and, and read along with us. This week we're talking about Chapter 5, so I would encourage you to read Chapter 5 before you come on the weekend and to read it after. Uh, you come. So read it twice. And then chapter 6 for next week. And if you're our guest, uh, we're so glad to have you here. Thank you for checking Springbrook out. And if you want to get on this journey with us, we'd love to have you. You can pick up the book and other resources out there. You can go on the website and uh, download the previous messages or get the podcast, whatever. But uh, yeah, you can quickly catch up here. Also, we challenge people to be involved in small groups. Uh, and small groups are, are really, I think, the key to this series in the sense that that's where you hear other people talking about their journeys and their baggage and how they're trying to spend time alone with God. and That's uh, so important. But if for some reason you can't be involved in a small group, I encourage you to buy the workbook just for your own personal journey or maybe you can do it with your spouse or another friend. And then the daily office uh, is a powerful little book. How many have been using the daily office just out of curiosity? Now, use that, okay? Just use it as a primer to give you ideas on how you can spend time with God. It gives you three devotions a day. You don't have to do all three. Just do two or one. Do something. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm learning so much. Uh, I was dry. What an incredible week, huh? Oh, my. <laughs> was it not beautiful? 
The weather was perfect. Uh, the trees are turning. It was just a wonderful gift from God. Anybody agree with me out there? All right, okay, there we go. All right. There we go. Yeah, that encourages me. Uh, yeah, I thought it was great, you know. And I was driving home from church, and uh, I was going down Miller Road. Beautiful trees on Miller Road, if you haven't checked the Miller Road out lately. But uh, I was just sitting there, and, and I was uh, just spending time alone with God. And I imagined uh, Christ sitting next to me, visualized Him there, and, and I just felt the, 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 the heat coming in the car and all this beauty, you know, flying at me. And, and so I just sat there and I said, God is communicating His love to me right now, how much He loves me. This is a gift that He's giving to me that I'm enjoying. I just, ten minutes on the way home, I just spent time with God, just being with Him. Thank God, so good to be with you. Thank you for this gift you've given me. And see, that's a, that's kind of different, I mean, to do that kind of stuff. But that's the kind of stuff that God wants us to do is spend time with Him. You know, we don't have to have an agenda. We don't have to have prayer requests. We don't just, I'm here, Lord, and I'm just, you know, drinking you in. And uh, so continue to experiment uh, with that. So encourage you to engage. Uh, our small group leaders are such a wonderful part of our church. In fact, I'd like all of our small group leaders and coaches uh, to stand up at this point. If you could do that, just stand up, all small group leaders and coaches. All right? Stand up, stand up, stand up. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. I'll just give you guys a hand. Uh, these people are the people that shepherd and care uh, for you. Uh, and, and they put so much time and effort into their ministry even behind the scenes. In fact, they send a small group report. And uh, one of the small group reports, uh, I read this that Richard sent to me, Pastor Rich. Uh, this is a week or so ago. Know yourself that you may know God. It was awesome. One person opened up the topic of journaling and got all of us thinking about it. We talked about knowing who we are and how important that is to knowing God and vice versa. Very enriching time. Pray for continued transformation in our emotional lives so we can grow closer to God. Yeah, that's what it's all about, right? You know, learning, doing uh, life together. Well, uh, let's uh, take a look at where we're going here. Uh, I'm going to look at the seven pathways to emotionally healthy spirituality. Uh, first week, we talked about the problem of emotionally healthy spirituality. Last week, we started the pathways. This is how you, again, uh, continue to develop that interior life uh, with uh, Jesus uh, first of all, know yourself that you may know God. Today, going back in order to go forward. Three, journey through the wall. Number four, enlarge your soul through grief and loss. Uh, number five, discover the rhythm, rhythms of the daily office and Sabbath. Number six, grow into an emotionally mature adult. Uh, number seven, go to the next step to develop a rule of life. So we're working on these uh, different uh, disciplines in order to be able to grow closer uh, to God. Now let's talk about the family, the family you grew up in and how it impacted your life. Now we're pre-wired by God that five basic needs be met for healthy development. The first is a need for place. Kids need to know they belong someplace. They belong to a family, uh, a place where they can be themselves, a place where they can grow, and a place that uh, they can go to, a uh, safe place. A need for nurture. Uh, affirmation, affection, encouragement, uh, physical touching and affection, a need for support, emotional, physical, financial support, need for protection, protecting physically, 
emotionally and from sexual harm, a need for limits, uh, boundaries, uh, rules, that type of thing. We know if they don't have them, uh, we're going to have a real uh, problem on our hands, right? Uh, they're going to not develop uh, properly. And that was God's design. He set up the family in order that uh, kids might be developed in the proper way, just as Jesus was uh, with his uh, family. Uh, but things went terribly wrong in Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned and brought sin into this world. And, of course, uh, families uh, took a real hit because now we had to deal with sin. And some, sin, some families uh, do okay, some families do well, some others don't do very well at all in regards to the sinful patterns in their families. So you, you have things now like uh, uh, critical families, people just are criticizing each other, uh, anger is out of control, put-downs, lying, uh, shaming, abuse of authority, emotional withdrawal. We can go on and on in regards to the problems that we have in families. And even the best of families, we all have sinful patterns in our lives, and that impacts our relationship uh, with our families. Let's look at the iceberg model again. And uh, <clears throat> again, the exterior life is only what people see and uh, what they hear from us. Uh, the interior life is our thoughts and motives and desires. Uh, the subconscious is something we're not even aware of. But all of these areas, uh, the subconscious especially, are impacted by uh, those growing up years. You know, nature versus nurture. Well, you know, nurture is a big part of this as well. And, and so our parents speak into our lives in a lot of different ways. And one of the challenges that we have in discipleship and becoming more like Jesus is that some of the things we picked up in childhood are, are so difficult to work through because they're so ingrained in our emotional DNA. And we can say, oh, you got a problem with anger? Well, just memorize more verses and pray. you got to read your Bible more. You know, stop that. <laughs> well, it's not hard to stop. Uh, it's hard to stop, that is, because it's so much a part of you. And that's why you need to do deep work uh, with the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit working within you and, and cleaning out the, those anger issues within you or whatever it might be. That's what the challenge we have here is. Now, the great news, uh, well, you did grow up in your family of origin, and that might have been very, very difficult, or maybe it wasn't that difficult. You might have taken a lot of baggage out or not so much, whatever. But that was your family of origin. But when you became a Christ follower, then uh, you became part of a new family. That's God's family, where God is the Father. And God has adopted you, uh, and the blood of Christ is within you as you, as you start out uh, living in a brand new way, empowered by God. And you can change a lot of these things. That's the hope uh, that we have. We have new brothers and sisters to support us in the Word of God. Uh, but it's still very challenging, and that's why we're talking about it today. Now, what's, one thing that's really fascinating I want to share with you is how sinful patterns are passed down to the generations. If you look at Exodus 34, 7, God says this, I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation. Uh, what is God saying here? We're saying the sinful patterns that we pass down impact the entire family. Now, usually when they use the word family in the Bible, they're, they're talking about the extended family, not just the immediate family that we usually 
refer to uh, here in our culture. And sometimes they're talking about three or four generations. We're going back like a hundred years. So what I'm trying to say is that your great-grandfather, your great-grandfather is impacting your life today in some way, most likely. Your great-grandfather, your great-grandmother. Now, how can that be? Well, it's the way they live their lives in front of their children. Now, we have our core sinful nature. That's our problem. But as we train our children, we train them to sin. Yeah, we train them to sin sometimes. If we train them to, to say that money is the way that you need to live your life, that's the key, you've got to get money, you've got to be successful, we're training them to have a sinful value in their life. Uh, if we train them uh, in regards to racism and say, well, these people, you know, they're not as good as us. Well, we're training them to sin. And what happens is if, if somebody doesn't break the cycle, you got your great grandfather, if your grandfather, let's say, doesn't say, okay, I'm going to say no to this whole idea that money is the focus of life, and I'm going to say Jesus is the focus of life, if that doesn't change, then they pass it down to your grandfather, your grandfather passes it down to your father, and the father passes it down to you. You see? That's how it works. So the sins of the father are passed down through the generations. That's pretty powerful to think about, isn't it? In terms of, we like to think we're independent and nothing influences us. And I tell you what, you're influenced by so many things. The culture, your family, and the list goes on. That's why you need God's power within you to combat all this stuff, all the messages you're getting that do not square with this book. Now, let me illustrate this. Uh, I love this, what uh, uh, Scazzaro puts together on the lives of uh, the patriarchs in the book of Genesis and uh, this is called a genogram, a genogram. And he encourages uh, you to do a genogram. You can read the book. But it starts out uh, with Abraham and Sarah. And uh, they had Hagar uh, as a handmaiden because they were too impatient to wait on the miracle of Isaac. So you have Ishmael there. Uh, so you had sinful patterns of lies, sibling rivalry, favoritism, and an unhealthy marriage. That's another thing you can pass on down, an unhealthy marriage to the generations. Then you had Isaac and Rebekah, and uh, again, the same things. Lies, something, rivalry, favoritism, and unhealthy marriage, because they didn't break the cycle. So Esau and Jacob, uh, two wives, two concubines, uh, Jacob uh, with uh, Rebekah, or excuse me, Rachel, and Leah as wives, and then two concubines. Uh, that's a blended family, huh? <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Uh, lies, sibling rivalry, and favoritism. So you see, they continue on until somebody breaks the cycle. Well, Joseph, we're going to talk about in a moment, he broke the cycle. He said, I'm not going to live my life that way anymore. I'm going to live for God. And so he forgave his brothers uh, for selling them into slavery. And in fact, he named his two sons uh, Ephraim and Manasseh. And Manasseh means making forget. He was forgetting in the best possible way. He forgave them and then Ephraim is fruitful in the land of suffering. So the idea that he, even though he'd gone through a lot of suffering, it was fruitful because God had made it fruitful. And then they have the earthquake events. Those are traumatic events in our lives uh, and in Joseph's life, which we'll talk about here in a moment. Let's talk about Joseph. Uh, we went through a series on Joseph earlier in the year, so I encourage you to pick up uh, the CD set, a fascinating uh, story. Uh, but Joseph uh, was favored by his dad. 
I mean, he was really favored by his dad. He got the coat of many colors, and you couldn't get more blatant than that. And I really believe the sin of Jacob brought about the selling of Joseph into slavery. It really, was, it really wasn't essentially the brother's fault. It was the father's fault for setting his son up in that way. They both sinned, but I blame it more on Jacob than anybody because of uh, how he, he treated them. We've got to be so careful about playing favorites with our kids. This article came out in time. Anybody read this article? Anybody out there? Okay. Excellent article. Why mom like you best? <laughs> All right. I want you to be really honest here, okay? If you were a favorite of either mom or dad, I want you to raise your hand. Okay? Any favorites out there? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it happens in families. All right? And the article goes, in, it's a scientific study, so they say, well, yeah, you might have a favorite because uh, your child, you know, you have similar personalities, a certain type of chemistry, uh, just their appearance, they're cuter than the other kids, you know? Uh, their behavior, obviously, that's a big one. If you have a child that's always rebelling, it's hard to connect with them, right? And so, yeah, we kind of gravitate toward that. But we've got to say, hey, you know, I love all my kids, and I'm going to, to the best of my ability, I'm going to love them, and I'm going to uh, commit myself to them. And, and again, you just don't play favorites. Uh, and some people say, well, I don't play favorites, but it's obvious to everybody else that you're playing favorites, okay? So don't talk to your kids about this, but uh, <laughs> you're, you're not playing favorites to me. I'll tell you how you can. I can be your favorite. But, uh, but uh, talk to your spouse. Talk to a friend if you're a single mom or dad. And just say, you know, do you see this in me? Because really people are clueless about this. They do not see the behavior uh, that is coming out. And the kids can read it a mile away. They can tell you what's going on. And if your kids ever say it to you, they might say it in such a way to hurt you. Uh, it might be manipulation, but it just might be true. So if a kid ever says you're playing favorites, you need to listen and think about that and let the Holy Spirit speak to you in that way. So that's very important because you don't want to pass that down as we see in this uh, a genogram. In fact, uh, he encourages you to do a genogram as well in your own family to see what sinful patterns are passed down. So... What I would encourage you guys to do is, uh, you know, give your parents a call and say, hey, mom and dad, Pat, you can blame it on me. You know, Pastor Dan asked us to do a genogram. So what sinful patterns do you think you passed down to me? And then call grandma and grandpa. Okay? Grandma and grandpa. <laughs> hey, listen, just doing a little project here. It's kind of like genealogy, but it's really a genealogy. And... Uh, so, hey, you know, tell me about the weaknesses in your life and how that impacted mom and dad. <laughs> no, not really. But, uh, you know, uh, you can maybe get the information someplace else or just from your own observation, so I might say. All right, so let's look at Joseph's life. He went through, through some traumatic things. The definition of trauma is a startling experience which has a lasting effect on a mental life, a shock. Well, first of all, when he was thrown in the well, right? He thought he was dead. And he's close to being dead, and there he's down there. His brothers has rejected him, and he's crying out, and nobody was listening to him. That, that's trauma. The second trauma is being a slave. They sold him into slavery. Imagine your siblings selling you into slavery. So there he's riding off in the caravan to Egypt, and he's thinking, I've lost everything. I've lost my brothers. Well, that's not too bad. But, you know, I lost my dad. And my dad, who, who loved me and cared me and supported me and... He was everything. 
to me. I'm not going to see him anymore. I've lost my friends and I've lost my culture. I've lost my freedom. And you got to be wondering, what's he thinking? God, what did I do wrong here? How did I mess up? You know, why, why are you doing this? I'm, I'm never going to trust anybody anymore. All kinds of thoughts probably going through his head. Uh, so that was incredible trauma in his life. And then on top of that, uh, he went to Potiphar's household, and God blessed him, and he became in charge of the whole household. Potiphar's wife, you know, had a thing for him, and he said no, and she accused him of rape. He went to prison. Slavery was bad enough. Now he's in prison. He's there for probably 10 to 13 years. And, and, and he maybe thought he'd never get out. I mean, who was there to, to really, you know, talk and, and try to encourage him to get out of prison and try to work the system up? Nobody! Just imagine that, being in prison, and nobody cares. Wow. That was traumatic. And I know many of you have been through some very, very traumatic experiences. Um, verbal abuse. Physical abuse, sexual abuse, the list goes on. And, uh, wow, that's really heavy stuff, isn't it? But it's emotional baggage possibly in your life. Hopefully you've already worked through it. You know, you've you know, processed through it with other Christians. Uh, and sometimes something is so difficult, you really need to go to a counselor to process through it because it's so complicated to sort it all out, you know. Somebody can help you, but... Again, I just implore you to listen to the Spirit. Listen to God this morning and say, okay, where, God, do you want me to start? <laughs> you got baggage lined up, you know, <coughs> for quite a while. Where do you want me to start, God? But uh, He wants you to get in there in order that you might be cleansed and you might be whole in that way. So, you know the story. Joseph finally reveals to his brothers that he is... Uh, you know, Joseph, and of course they're terrified, uh, but he forgives and brings Dad down. And when Dad dies, uh, the brothers really think, hey, you know, he's going to take us out. He was just keeping us around to keep Dad happy. And so he, they go to him and they say this, and Joseph says, what are you talking about? You know, this issue was settled a long time for him, a long time ago for him. Genesis 50:20. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. That, that's a mysterious verse, isn't it? You intended to harm me. You wanted to kill me. You wanted to sell me into slavery. But God took that and turned it and made it into something good. The saving of many lives. Joseph is a type of Jesus Christ. There's all kinds of different ways that he foreshadows Jesus Christ. Uh, you think of his suffering. Uh, you think of the fact of saving uh, many lives. And again, Joseph was a, a way of foreshadowing the gospel. This is kind of the essence of the, of the gospel here. The idea that God intends good for us. And you say, Dan, you don't know my life. You don't know what I've been through. Yeah, that's true. I don't know what you've been through. But at the same time, God promises that everything is going to be for your good. Even when people hurt you. You, you, you just got to wait and see what God does with that. And Joseph was able to go full circle and see how all this pain in his life had, had resulted in something beautiful. And uh, that's what we need to focus on. So the first thing you need to do is some applications here. Recognize the iceberg uh, in you from your family. 
I love what Peter Scazzaro does here. Ten Commandments to your family. These are messages that maybe was sent to you or were given to you by your family as you grew up. And I'd like you to, to raise your hand if your family communicated uh, this to you. Okay, how about money is the best source of security? Anybody hear that from mom or dad? Oh, yeah, that's a real common one. Conflict. Avoid conflict at all costs. Yeah, yeah. Sex. Sex is to be spoken about openly. All right. Grief and loss. Sadness is a sign of weakness. Expressing anger. Anger is dangerous and bad. Yeah. Uh, family. Duty to family and culture comes before everything. Uh, kind of like a mafia family, right? <laughs> Relationships. Don't trust people. They'll let you down. Nobody will ever hurt me again. Don't show vulnerability. Anybody? Yeah. yeah. Uh, attitudes toward other cultures. Uh, certain cultures, races are not as good as mine. Only be friends with people who are like you. Do not marry a person of another race or culture. Anybody get any of those messages? All right, come on now, guys. Come on. Okay, I want everybody to raise their hand. All hands up. All hands up. You're in denial if your hand's not up right now. Okay? You are all prejudiced. I just want to give you an insight. You're all prejudiced in some way because I know I am, and you don't even realize it sometimes how prejudiced you really are. No, that's not prejudice. It's just common sense, you know, that those people are like that. <laughs> it's kind of like, come on! All right? And primarily, the way we become prejudiced is through our parents. They teach us how to view other people. You've got to watch out for those people there. They steal. You've got to watch out for those people. They lie. We pick this stuff up and we just think, you know, that's wisdom. You know? No, it's racism to some degree. You know? And so we just have to think carefully. And the Word of God continues to work through us if we allow it to. So, uh, success. I won't make you raise your hand anymore. But I had to on that one. Okay. All right. Success is making lots of money. All right. Uh, feelings and emotions. You're not allowed to have certain feelings. Your feelings are not important. Oh, that's got to be a big one, right? I think about my family. Uh, my, my mom and dad uh, were very godly people. Uh, I, I'm just so glad that I grew up in the home that I did. My mom wrote over 100 songs that were published for choirs and sung all over the country and the world. And uh, they, they just gave me so many good things, but at the same time, they were sinful. For example, my mom was a, a people pleaser. And she was so concerned about what other people thought of us. And so, you know, I'd say something that I said or somebody else said, oh, no, you can't say that. You can't say that. You know, you can't, can't you know, avoid conflict. You know, be nice to people, all that kind of stuff. You know, and I always... I was already kind of sensitive uh, in my life, so I picked up on all that. And, uh, you know, it's a sinful pattern uh, in my life in regards to um, <clears throat> holding back. Uh, it emotionally stifled me because I didn't feel it was appropriate to, you know, express certain emotions to people and led to some perfectionism in different areas. And uh, I still struggle with it today. And uh, I think about my dad. And thank you for praying for my dad. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my dad's in a nursing home, and uh, he has Alzheimer's, and he's had a couple falls, and uh, now he's aspirating food. A little bit of food goes into his lungs every time he eats. So it's a matter of time until he uh, develops pneumonia and then passes to be with the Lord. But he's a strong ox, I'll tell you that, man. He's eating like a horse, and he's, <laughs> he just keeps going, man. It's great. 
So I'm enjoying him at this time. Uh, but thank you for your prayers. Uh, my dad, you know, it's interesting, he, they were both very encouraging to me. But my dad had a critical spirit. And uh, he was, a, anybody have a dad that would watch TV and yell at the news, you know, and throw shoes and things like that? Like, how could they be doing that? No, that was my dad all over, you know. My dad, you know, we would sit around the dinner table on Sunday. I know none of you do this and criticize the pastor. Uh, You know, know, that made an impression on me. Now, that's one of the reasons I didn't want to go to ministry. Uh, But I've gotten over that. Uh, The point being is that, you know, he was just critical. And so here I am, you know, mom's telling me to be perfect. And dad's telling me, yeah, you got a pretty high standard you have to meet here. And I get caught in the middle. And so I'm, I'm condemning myself all the time. And I still struggle with that. Just, you know, Dan, you're not good enough. You know, you're failing here. You're, you know, it's a real issue in my life. And that goes back to just how God wired me and the sinful part of me, per se, uh, as well as my, my parents' influence. You know, they had, a, they had a role in that. And I'm not here to trash parents. Please, I'm a parent myself. I'm sit- I have a counseling fund that I'm saving up for for my kids so somebody can fix my kids, Right? For all I've done to them, you know, because, you know, I've tried to do the right thing, but I know I'm passing sinful patterns down, okay? And, uh, you know, someday, you know, Wes is down there. Yeah, counselor, my dad, Dan, I tell you, it's going to take a couple sessions for this one. <laughs> I mean, it's reality, okay? But, but I'm trying to teach us that, that how we live our spiritual lives impacts not only our kids, but their kids and their kids and their kids. This is really heavy stuff, isn't it? I mean, when you really think about it, it's time to clean up our acts, right? It's time to let God into the interior because we're just not hurting ourselves. We're hurting our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren because they're learning how to live through us. And if we're living in a sinful way, we're, we're again, not pointing them in a good direction. Another application here uh, is discern the good intends uh, in, through, and in spite of your family and past. Discern that the good God intends in, through, and in spite of your family and past. And this is really difficult. I'll just tell you right out loud, it's difficult. It's hard to look at a dysfunctional family that some of you grew up in. And some of you have stories, you know, like, wow, I'm so sorry, you know. Some of you, you know, you're, you're struggling right now as you listen to this. Because you don't want to talk, you don't want to hear about this, you know. You didn't come to church for pain. I came here to be encouraged. Okay, I came here for some hope. Uh, and and you're bringing all this junk up, Dan. I mean, what's the deal? I'm bringing it up because the Bible says I need to bring it up. And for you to go through some pain to bring you again a piece of Christ in the future, it's worth it. You know, it's it's difficult to. To open up those bags, but we see in again David's life, uh, not David's life, but Joseph. You intended plan to harm me, but God intended planned same word, but God planned it for good to accomplish. Now there's the mystery. How can that be, God? How can you take this mess of a life and make something good out of it? Well, that's the hope that we have. That if we let Jesus Christ in, let Him do the work, let Him fill us with His power and and let the Holy Spirit guide us and convict us and all that kind of stuff. We're going to become healthy inside. And that's the power that God wants to give us. 
We've got to have faith in Him. Uh, the corollary verse that so many Christians uh, have embraced as they go through difficult times, that we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. All things. Your sin. You know, people who sin against you. God can use that mess to bring good things to your life. And, and again, Joseph was able to see the full picture. Some of us aren't going to be able to see the full picture until heaven. we just got to trust God. We've got to say, God, I don't know why you allowed this into my life, but, you know, let's play it out. Let's play it out. But you've got to unpack the emotional baggage. So that, that, that's the important uh, thing. Uh, the next step is uh, make the decision uh, to do the hard work of discipleship. The hard work of discipleship. Now, th- this is where this curriculum is. So I-, I don't know. I am so pumped up about this curriculum. I don't know about you. But man, it's meeting me where I live. Now, because, you know, I- I've been a Christian forever. <laughs> you know, Christian when I was five. And uh, in most churches, they do not tell you to reflect upon your past and look at the sinful patterns of your families and things. Again, like I talked about before, if you have an issue, you need to pray more about it. You need to read your Bible. You need to just be more committed. You're just not working hard enough. But friends, that's not going to work. I mean, those are all good things that we need to do. But we're talking about key, painful issues in our life that go so deep into the iceberg. We've got to do hard work. This is discipleship. This is becoming like Christ. So how do we open up the baggage? Well, let's take a look. Unpacking emotional baggage. First of all, you need to ask God for wisdom. Say, Lord, I don't know. I, I've got this emotional baggage and it's so heavy and I don't, I don't really want to go there, Lord. And I'd rather live in denial. You know, I mean, I don't want to unpack what happened to me years ago or uh, whatever happened with my parents or that kind of thing. But I know that you're, you're asking me to do that. And I need courage. I need wisdom. I need insight. So help me. Then the next practical thing is I want you to sit down this afternoon and I want you to, to journal. And I want you to write out whatever particular emotional baggage uh, the Holy Spirit's chosen for you and just... Write out, vomit on the page, figuratively, okay? I mean, just get all the junk out, you know, write it out, how you feel about it, how you feel about God and why you allowed that to happen and how you feel about that person. And just, God knows your heart, right? But He wants to hear it from you. That's all part of the healing process. Just write it and you can burn it afterwards, I don't care. But get it out on paper because it's just poison within your system. You know, say, God, you need to help me unpack this emotional bag. You've got to do that. Then pray and listen to God. And then, then, then bring that, you know, emotional baggage before God that you've unpacked. Okay? Say, God, what do I do with this? You know, and tell Him. You know, read through the journal and say, God, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. This is how I feel. You know, this is how it's impacted my life. And, Lord, you know... Talk to me. Just listen. Listen to him. Let's see what he has to say. Confide in someone. Friends, if you have 
challenging emotional baggage. You cannot unpack it yourself. People have told me that before. I had a guy just recently who had marital issues, and I was challenging him to go to counseling. And he said to me, well, Dan, I, I think we can do this. I think we can get it done on our own. And I said to him, man, you cannot do that. You know, you are dropping the ball. <laughs> don't, don't fool yourself, okay? Don't do that, all right? Uh, friends, small group leader, someone in your family who's a Christ follower, call one of the pastors. Uh, seek out resources. Seek out resources. There's all kinds of resources out there. Amazon, the Earth's biggest selection. <laughs> That's true. But uh, CBD, you know, just put what your issue is in and try to find a Christian book on it. Uh, again, there's uh, millions of people have been through what you're experiencing right now. You know, <laughs> you know no experience is, is that uncommon. You think it is. You think you're alone. You're not alone. A lot of people are going through what you're going through uh, right now. Uh, here's a wonderful promise if we do this. Exodus 20, uh, Exodus 20, verse 5 and 6. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. We've talked about that. That's the bad news. Uh, but I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. That's the good part, right? This is the good part, guys. You can break the cycle. Just like Joseph did. You don't have to pass it down to your kids. And even if your kids are adults, even if you're 85 years old, you can unpack baggage in your life. And you can call your kids. And you can say, hey, listen, there was a sinful pattern in my life. And, and I want you to know that, that I've identified it and that I'm working through it. And, and I, I apologize if I pass it on to you. And I tell you what, my dad, you know, after several years ago, he was still speaking into my life. You know? So even if you feel, oh, I messed my children up. Well, you, yeah, you maybe you pass some sinful baggage on, but it's not going to help to beat yourself up about it all the time. Now, is it? That's no purpose at all. Christ said there's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. You just got to ask God for forgiveness and then do something about it. You grow, and then your children will see you grow. Your children are always watching you, you know. 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds still watching their moms and dads, you know. I just want to take just a moment here in prayer and meditation. And I just want you to uh, pray to God right now about what we've talked about. I, and listen, I know the majority of you are not going to do this. Okay? I just know that's the case. I, you know, it's too painful. You know, it's too hard. But for those of you who really are serious, who really, you know, are ready to go, and I mean, I challenge you. I challenge everybody, but I just know the nature of people. I know me. Okay? So uh, let's pray together and just, just talk to God, okay?
Dear Heavenly Father, you know, I'm, one of my pieces of baggage is, uh, you know, just a sinful expectation that I have. It's out of pride. And you're helping me work through that one, Lord. And i got a long way to go. So I pray you help me to unpack that baggage. It's very complicated, and who knows all the places that it's been fed from. But I pray that you would help me to really work on it. I'm going to do the deep interior work of really thinking it out. And you've been speaking to me about it for a while now, and I'm going to continue that journey. Um, and it's really deep in my life, so I... I pray you continue to, I want to let you in. I want you to clean house. I want you to speak to me, change my mind, change my desire. And, um, Lord, I, I just ask for your help, and I pray for my friends here too. I pray that they would do the deep work they need to do. They'd find somebody and share with whatever the piece of baggage is and say, can you help me work through this? Uh, Help them have the courage to do that, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. Other good of our ushers come forward.